title of our lesson this morning, whoops, sorry, I got that up there, is, uh, well, it is part one. Be strong in the Lord. That's based upon Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verses 10 through 18. This morning, we'll really focus more on down through about verse 13, and this is part one, and it is, I've entitled this, Understand the Battle. And there are five points. Now, as I was working on this lesson this week, I kind of quickly came to realize, I thought to myself, I got way too many points for one lesson. (laughs) And uh, as I was kind of adding these up, there was about 10 or 11 points. And I thought, if I get up there and put up 11 points, they're going to walk out before I get started. So... (laughs) And I'm kind of pushing the limits this morning by having five points. But I promise you, I'm going to try and move through these five points. Normally, I do like three points. I'll try to move through these five points rather quickly, uh, but to help us to understand what Paul's talking about there in Ephesians 6. So the first part is just really understanding the battle. And as we are engaged in this spiritual battle, remember who you are. The wind of resistance blows hard. The battle is spiritual. Evil days come. And the command is to stand. It has been said that the Christian life is a battleground. It's not a playground. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that that battle is taking place now. And we need to realize that. And there are certain things that we have to understand. And that's why I use these five points. So that we can properly engage in this battle that we are a part of as Christians. I want you to turn, if you would, before we get to Ephesians uh, chapter 6 there. I want you to turn in the book of Revelation. So it helps us kind of understand what's going on. And I'm only going to make a couple of points. Book of Revelation chapter 12 And I'm going to read to you verses 13 through 17, and I'll just really make two points from this section. Revelation chapter 12, beginning at verse 13. When the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Two points from that section. That dragon, that serpent, first tried to destroy that child. That child, Jesus Christ. He also was waging war against the woman who brought that child. So we would understand who was it, how was it that Jesus Christ, what was the lineage through which he came into this world. But then the final point that is made there in verse 17, being enraged, he went off to wage war against those who keep the commandments of God 
and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. What we understand from that is Satan is enraged about that child that came into this world. And now those who would strive to keep the commands of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, he's going to wage war against them. So the first thing that we need to remember, I want to make sure this is recording, and it is. The first thing that we need to remember is remember who you are. I'm going to share with you just a few passages quickly, and in the sermon notes back there, if you haven't picked up one, it's back there on that uh, little table. The passages are written down there, but I'll just go through these quickly. Keep this in mind, Colossians chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Colossae and he's talking about Christians and he says, You were transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom you have redemption, the forgiveness of your sins. Point. Paul saying there was a time you were in one domain. That was the domain of darkness. And you were Transferred, some say translated, into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom you have redemption, the forgiveness of your sins. Enraged, you once were mine, and now you're in the kingdom of his beloved Son. Acts 22 and verse 16, Ananias comes to Saul of Tarsus after he has been blinded for three days, after Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, and he says to him, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. There was a time when you were transferred from one kingdom into the other. There was a time, just like Saul of Tarsus, later the Apostle Paul, that you were baptized and your sins were washed away. Titus 3 tells us there was a time when you were cleansed, you were washed, you were purified. Ephesians 2, you were once an enemy of God, but now you have peace with Him. Romans 6 and verses 16 and 17. Paul makes this point. You were formerly slaves of sin. But you became obedient from the heart. To that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been made free from sins. You became slaves. You became servants of righteousness. There was a time when you served Satan. There was a time when you were in his domain. But there was that point, there was that time when you were taught that doctrine. There was a time when your sins were washed away, you were cleansed, you were purified. There was a time when you were translated from one kingdom into another. 
There was a time. Ephesians the 36th chapter and about verse 26. A promise was made. In the future. God would put a new heart. In his people. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. You became a new creature in Christ. A child of God. Born again, John 3. Born of incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. And you were translated. You were transferred from one kingdom into another. Baptized into his body, which is the church. And the Lord loves the church. And he gave himself for her. Ephesians 5. But keep this in mind. When you did that, you enraged Satan. Satan's purpose, Satan's desire is to destroy the work of Jesus Christ and those who would keep the commands of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says in Romans 6, you choose and you are slaves of the one to whom you obey. Either of sin leading to death or obedience leading unto righteousness. You choose. But if you choose to serve God in Jesus Christ, let it be known you enrage Satan. So remember who you are. Secondly, the wind of resistance is going to blow hard. Ephesians 6, chapter, I'll just read verse 11 very quickly. It said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Some translations say, so that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Just because you become a child of God, do not think for one moment that Satan has given up on you. No, you were his. Now he wants you back. So let me ask you this question. So you become a child of God. And you understand that you should grow and you should mature as a child of God. And so you're doing everything you can to read and understand, to grow and grasp the knowledge in the scriptures. And to be the kind of person God wants you to be. You want to help others. You keep the testimony of Jesus Christ. You want to help others become a child of God. And you want them to... Help them to serve God. So let me ask you. As you do that, do you think it's going to get easier with time? Or do you think it's going to get harder? I'll tell you what most people say, and I hope you agree. <laughs> harder. Satan sees. He knows what you're doing. And he doesn't just give up. 
There's an old saying. The wind blows harder at the top of the mountain than it does at the bottom. The higher you go, the more resistance there is going to be. Think about this for a moment. Remember Job? (laughs) Satan threw everything he had at Job. Turned his wife on him. Took his family from him. Took his health from him. And then his so-called friends showed up. (laughs) Remember that? I want you to notice from the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm just going to read verse 5. The Apostle Paul says, For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts and inside were fears. What's Paul saying? Well, I was out there. And there were some that were with me. And we were doing our best to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And we had gone into Macedonia. But when we had gone there, we were being opposed on the outside. Our bodies had no rest. And on the inside, there was fear. You know what that means? Whoever it was that was causing problems for him, and we know Paul went through a lot of problems. We can read them a little later over in the 11th chapter. And this is the amazing thing as I read this. And he says, on the inside, there was fear. In the heart of an apostle. Sometimes we say the greatest apostle. There was fear. You think the wind was blowing hard against the apostle Paul? Let me ask you. In trying to serve the Lord, the wind ever blow hard against you? See, we see that same battle also with Jesus Christ, don't we? And I think that sometimes, I would say most of the time, We don't fully understand and we don't fully appreciate and grasp how hard that wind blew against Jesus Christ. Hebrews the fifth chapter. I'm going to just read verses seven and eight. It says, Who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications 
with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Do you hear what he said? In the days of his flesh, he offered up prayers to the one he knew that could save him with tears. But he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. You think that wind blew hard against him? That's what the Hebrew writer said. Remember who you are. Remember that wind that's going to blow hard. But the third thing is, we talked about this, we touched on this a little bit in class this morning. We have to remember that this battle is spiritual. I want to read verse 12 now. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places this is an important point to remember we do not wrestle against flesh and blood you know what that's saying this is what we touched on in class this morning. The primary battle is not with people. Romans 6. Know ye not ye are servants to the one whom you obey. Is that just before you become a Christian? Or is that principle always? Is that saying, well, it's impossible once you become a Christian, you just can't serve Satan? That's not what Paul's saying. No, you still can. And know ye not, you are slaves to the one to whom you obey. And so in Ephesians chapter 6, he said, our battle is not against flesh and blood. See what the Lord, He wants us to understand who the real enemy is. I want to read to you from the Sermon on the Mount over in Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus helps us to to understand this point and make this point so that we can understand this battle and how it's a spiritual battle. It's not against other people. It's against Satan. And based upon what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, we've got to understand that sometimes Satan will control people when he gets them to serve him. So Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 11, verse 11 and 12. 
Jesus said, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What's Jesus saying? When you're attacked, when they falsely accuse you, when they're speaking all kinds of evil things about you, what should you be thinking? He says, rejoice. Why? Because I remember who I am. I'm a child of God. And whenever I became a child of God, you know how Satan responded to that? He was enraged by that. And so he's going to use whoever he can to try to attack me. And Jesus says you ought to rejoice whenever they attack you for my name's sake. You're striving to keep the commands of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And guess what? Satan's coming for you. And he'll find somebody to use. To attack you. So now verse 44. Listen to what Jesus says. But I say to you. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. And persecute you. Why would Jesus say such a thing? You know why he says that? Because Jesus knows Satan's got them. And this is a spiritual battle. And it's being waged. And Satan has gotten them to come after you. So now, how do you handle that when they come after you? Well, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you how Larry would handle it. You come after me, I'm coming after you. And you know what Satan's saying about that? I love it. I love it. I got them to attack him, and now he's going to turn around and attack them. And I'll sit here on this fence rail, and I'll just giggle the whole way while they're just lost. Let me read to you from Romans, the 12th chapter. This is verse 20 and 21. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. What's that sound like? Sometimes we just read the last part of that and we say, Enemy... For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. I like that part. 
Vengeance is not what he's talking about. Listen to the first part. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. He just told you how to fight this spiritual battle. Do you know you cannot fight a spiritual battle with carnal tactics? But that's what we want to do. You come from me. You want a piece of me? (laughs) Then I'll come after you. Satan got them. Now he's got you. And the Lord is saying that's not the way to do that. You don't fight a spiritual battle like that. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. You know what they're saying? By doing that, you're going to burn up what he's trying to do to you. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. We touched on this on class this morning too. What if I do what I'm supposed to do? But they still won't treat me right. They still won't do what they're supposed to do. We'll back up to verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. You know what that's saying? God gave you an opportunity. He showed His grace to you. And now He wants you to show grace to somebody else. And that grace is extended to them. And they have a choice just like you do. Who are you going to serve, Satan or God? And ultimately, if they continue and will not repent and will not serve Him, He'll take care of it. Vengeance is not mine. It's His. You know what that says? That says Satan's got them. And what I'm asking you to do is stay with me. Because I don't want to lose you too. Can we see that? So let's make it personal. Sometimes there's trouble within families. Sometimes there's troubles with brothers and sisters. Sometimes there's trouble with parents and children. Sometimes there's trouble with mothers-in-law. <laughs> Sometimes there's troubles with fathers-in-law. Sometimes there's trouble between husbands and wives. Let me say this. Your enemy's not your wife. Your enemy's not your husband. Your enemy's not your parents. Your enemy's not your kids. It's not your brother, not your sister, not your mother-in-law, not your father-in-law. 
Your enemy at work is not your boss. Your enemy at work is not your co-worker. You know who the enemy is? It's Satan. And he may have them serving him. Just like at one point he had you. And he's not giving up on you. So he may use them to attack you to try to weaken you so that he can get you back. Because you know what he wants? He wants to neutralize Jesus Christ in your life. And he wants to neutralize his spirit in your life. And he wants to rob you of your joy of serving Jesus Christ. And he wants to rob you of your purpose. He wants to rob you of your witness for Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This battle is spiritual. And we have to understand that. Ephesians 6, now in verse 13. Paul says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and done having all to stand. In that evil day. Invariably in every life, in every Christian life, there are going to come times, there are going to come a day when it's extremely difficult to serve Jesus Christ. There come times when it seems like the enemy is throwing everything he has got at you. <laughs> and it just doesn't stop. You can see that in the life of, of Jesus Christ. But let me ask you about this as we think about this. And Paul says so that you might be able to stand in that evil day. But I think we all know there are some days that are a whole lot worse than others. And so I would just ask you this question. We know that Satan wanted to attack the child. And so was his attack Consistent and even-handed throughout the life of Jesus Christ. And we'd have to say, no. <laughs> we know from the gospel according to Matthew that early on, Satan used Herod to try to kill the child. Remember that? Slaughtered all the children, male children, two years and under. But he didn't get him. But he didn't give up. And so do you remember when Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan and then he was led away into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan? And so here he came again. And he was tempted in all ways like, a we, like as we are, yet he was without sin. Sin was... Sin was uh, Satan... <laughs> was trying in every way to get him to sin so he would kill his ministry before it ever began. 
But what's interesting about that, I believe, is what is stated in Luke, the fourth chapter, in about verse 13. Because after Satan had tried everything he could think of at that time to get him in sin, and he was unable to do that, Luke 4 verse 13 said that he went away, he departed until a more opportune time. You know what that says? I'll be back. <laughs> and he'll watch. There'll come a day when you will be ripe for temptation. I'll be back. And so during Jesus' ministry, we see kind of an ebb and flow, don't we? There was a time when Jesus became very popular. But there came a time towards the end that was very opportune. Do you remember when Jesus rode into Jerusalem that Sunday? And what were the people doing? They were throwing down palm branches before him. And they were shouting hosannas to him. You think Satan was there? You think he watched what was going on? They're shouting hosannas to you like you're some kind of a king? These ilk that I could squash and they're falling down praising you? This is Sunday. Before this week's up, I'll make you regret the day you were born. And these people that are praising you, I'll have every one of them in the palm of my hand. So by Friday morning, he's got the Roman government. He's got the religious leaders. And these people that had praised him have now turned on him. One of his very own betrayed him. One of his closest at a time when he needed him the most denied him. And he used a vacillating, weak Roman official to give the approval to crucify.
he turned the domain of darkness loose on him. So looking at the life of Christ, we understand what Paul says in Ephesians 6 and verse 13 when he talks about that evil day. And we face those difficult times. But in that evil day, you know what Paul's saying that God wants us to do? The command is to stand. That's the objective. In the next three verses, no less than four times, he'll say that they are to stand. The evil day is going to come. And with Satan, is throwing everything he has got at you, I need you to stand. I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to cut and run. At that moment, I need you to stand. At that moment, it's not the time to conquer the world. It's not the time to go out and do great things, say great things. It's not at that time that you're going to take a victory lap. But when that day comes, what I need you to do is I just need you to stand. Satan's got them. I don't want him to have you. So we need to understand that. Remember who you are. Remember the wind of resistance blows hard. And the more you try to serve him, serve Jesus Christ, the more Satan's going to come against you. We have to remember this battle is spiritual. And when there are those who falsely accuse you and speak evil against you, Satan's got them. And so how do you fight that spiritual battle? If he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Keep in mind that evil day is going to come. And when it does, what he is saying is at that point, I need you to stand. Stand with me. And so we would ask the question, how? I'm glad you asked because that's part two (laughs) and we'll see you in a couple of weeks in the meantime I want to close with this thought it was on September 2nd 1945 the documents of surrender had been drawn up. There were certain officials that were on board the USS Missouri that was docked in Tokyo Harbor. 
there were certain designated representatives from the allied nations that were there to receive their surrender. It was Douglas MacArthur that was going to oversee this whole procedure. And he was flanked by a couple of other generals. And so when it came time to sign the official papers ending World War II, Douglas MacArthur took the pen and he just signed his first name, Douglas. And then he handed the pen to General Wainwright, who was there. And he took the pen and he just signed it, Mac. And then they handed the pen to General Percival. And he signed Arthur. And it was kind of unusual how it all took place. But MacArthur is the one who had arranged this, helped arrange this, and determined how that was going to go. And what he was doing was this. He wanted to give honor to those two other generals. The reason is because they had been prisoners of war. But they had persevered. And so he wanted them to be there. He wanted them to share in the glory of that moment. So I'll read to you from Romans 8 chapter about verses 16 and 17. It says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Join heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. You know what that's saying? It's saying you endure in this life as a child of God, a joint heir of Jesus Christ. There's going to come a day when you will share in His glory also. That's what He's saying. And so we need to remember how it is that we engage this spiritual battle. And that's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 6. And then the next time we'll talk about that armor and how to stand in that day. I want to extend the invitation to any and all that are here this morning. If you've never rendered obedience unto the gospel of Jesus Christ, it was Jesus himself who said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. That opportunity is yours today. If you're a child of God and you need to make your life right with Christ, if we can help you in any way, let us know while together we stand and while we sing.